This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to you. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Ennis Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth... Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Ennis Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlack. I just want to mention that we're a part of dailythunder.com and also the almightyballer.com. And today we have special guest, Zach Harper. Zach, how's it going? I'm excellent. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Uh, let's, let's get right into it. Let's talk about uh, Russell Westbrook's MVP chances. So the Thunder played the Rockets yesterday and got completely demolished, even though... The Thunder somehow made it kind of a game at the end. Um, but I think clearly the, the Rockets are better than the Thunder. I don't think that anyone would dispute that. Um, but I don't think a, there was a lot to be taken from the MVP race from that particular game. Uh, but what, what do you take, where do you think that Russ is as far as the MVP race, uh, according to you? Uh, I mean, I think he's, he's definitely not first at this point. I mean, I think he, I think he's had a spectacular season, but James Harden has separated himself a little bit from the pack. And then for me, it's whether or not uh, I would put Kawhi Leonard over Russ at this point. Cause I think Kawhi is, is being kind of just dismissed because it's the Spurs and, and because they do well when he's not on the court, which is this weird, this weird way of looking at value um, that I'm not quite sure how we take it. Yet. Like sometimes it matters to us and sometimes it doesn't matter to us. And I'm not quite sure what to do with that. Uh, but I think, you know, being, being second or third in this race, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It just seems like Harden is kind of excelling his team a little bit. And Russ is not, not that he's doing a bad job of anything at this point, but there's just something missing. And he could, you know, honestly, part of it is he, he could use more help, uh, which maybe fits, fits into the value narrative for, for Russ a little bit better. But, uh, but for me, Harden's got it right now. Yeah, and I, I can't argue with that, and I would I wouldn't expect any other result at this point. I think t- to think that the wins aren't going to matter in this MVP race is maybe a little naive because it's always mattered all the way back to you know Steve Nash. You know Steve Nash didn't put up gaudy numbers, but he his team was winning, and he was the the key reason for it. And James Harden is that plus the gaudy numbers. What would it take for Russell Westbrook to win the MVP for you? Um. I mean, it's, it seems weird to kind of put it on one final stretch of the season, but there is this very real thing of like guys who don't win 50 games don't Mm -hmm. generally win MVP. Right. So if the thunder could, if the thunder closed the season on a, what would it have to be a a nine to one run? I can't remember how many games they have left. I think they have 10 games left. Yeah. yeah, They've and they're what? 41 and 31. Yes. So if they finish it on nine to uh, nine and one run, um, would that be enough to, to push them, you know, to push him into the top of that, maybe. I mean, I think the I think the Rockets would have to falter a little bit, even though they're not going to lose any of their their playoff position. They're locked in at three. Um, but I don't know if, if Harden kind of declined a little bit over over the last ten games, and Russ pushed them, and, and maybe that even puts them closer um, into the four five race than they are. I mean, I kind of even though it's it's close right now, I kind of feel like the Jazz and the Clippers have that 
that four or five wrapped up. Mm-hmm. But if he could manage to get them into that play spectacular basketball like he has been and they and they, you know, reach 50 wins, it seems like such an arbitrary number. But that number historically matters. Yeah, this is the season of arbitrary numbers, I think. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, they're just not going to win. They're just not going to go nine and one. I mean, you look at their schedule and you can see the path because like the best team they play is San Antonio. And who knows if they're going to play all their guys that night. Um, and then they've got like the Charlottes and Denver and Minnesota and Phoenix and Orlando. I mean, like they don't they don't have a tough schedule, um, but they tend to lose to teams like Dallas and Phoenix and Orlando. So, um, yeah, he's I, I would be surprised if he won it. Um, it's been a spectacular season for him and for him to do what he's done uh, is ridiculous. Uh, what do you think? So I, I, I think there's like two camps that just think like. The triple double is amazing, and let's let's just enjoy it. And there's some that say like, well, let's maybe take a deeper look at this. Uh, maybe this isn't as impressive as you know a lot of people think. Where do you lie on the triple doubles? Uh, I mean, they're they're cool, right? Like, they're it's a it's a thing that we've tracked, and, and it's a thing that we've been like, hey, this guy got a triple double tonight. We don't do a lot of, hey, this guy got you know almost a triple double tonight. Yeah. Like we, we don't really, we don't really track almost triple doubles. We, we track triple doubles for a reason because it's a, you know, I guess the, it's an attack on round numbers now, right? Like we don't, <laughs> we no longer like round numbers. I mean, Dirk was one of six players with 29,998 points until he reached a 30,000 point club, which also has six members, right? Like it doesn't like round numbers are kind of stupid, but they're still an easier way to an easier, like sexier thing to track for us. Um, I think the funny part to me about it is the difference between the Houston camp and the OKC camp of like when <laughs> like at the start of the season it was like, Hey, James Harden's a triple double machine. Look at a 50 point triple double. How ridiculous is that? And then, and so like we used it as a, as a superlative for Harden. And now it's like, and now, now that we have Harden versus Russ and there is such a gap between the triple doubles, even though Harden has a stupid amount of triple doubles this season. Um, we look at it as like, well, I mean, it's impressive, but it's not that impressive. It is just a round number, which I find like that's just dumb to me. Like we can't yeah. praise it in the start of the season. And then one guy who we don't think deserves MVP as much as the other guy has a higher number of them. And now all of a sudden they don't matter. Um, so I don't like to me, Russ, is, you know, Russ, Russ averages a triple double. He doesn't win MVP. All right. Then he's the modern day Oscar Robertson in that sense of like Oscar didn't win a tro- didn't win MVP the year he averaged a triple double. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Bill Russell beat him, beat Wilt. Um, and, and, and it was fine. Like I, you know, some people retroactively want to reevaluate the season. I didn't watch a whole lot of 1961, 62, <laughs> like just not something I was tuned into mostly because I wasn't alive for 20 years. Uh, but you know, I, it still becomes kind of a crazy thing to think about of like, it, that's almost a badge of honor. Like 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, we're going to look back and be like, wow, Russ averaged a triple double that year. It yeah. didn't win MVP. That's how crazy that season was. Something else that is super crazy is this March madness box from chicken express. I'm going to tell you about it again because it's so good. You can only get it for one more week at chicken express, two tenders, one fish, one side, a drink, a biscuit or roll and two hush puppies for $6.99. It's a ridiculous deal. You've got to go. March is almost over. Go get yourself a March Madness box this week. There will be a new special next week for any family meal that you buy. You'll get a gallon of sweet tea, which is the best sweet tea that you could buy. Please check out Chicken Express locations all around Oklahoma City and Texas. 
and the surrounding states, go check out Chicken Express today. I'm just super frustrated with the downplaying of it. Like, why can't, I mean, he doesn't have to win the MVP for it to be great or this to be like an, an amazing season. And I don't really care what rebounds it is. Like, I don't, I don't care, like, if he's getting the assist at home or on the road or whatever it is. Like, this is an amazing accomplishment. It's only been done one other time in the NBA, and there's been a lot of really good players and a lot of really good systems. And I'm, I, I just, I'm just tired of like the trying to downplay it and trying to make sure, make it seem like it's commonplace because it's oh. just not. No one, if yeah. if somebody else, if this was something that could be done, it would have been done. I don't right. know. Right? No, I'm I'm with you. I like it. I mean, I do get that the internet law of only one thing can be impressive at a time. So yes. that like that I get. And now and we are impressed by James Harden at the moment. So Russ is no longer impressive to us. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, when and when Oscar did it, they played like what, like 20 extra possessions a game. Mm-hmm. Some ridiculous like so. The, so he's actually far surpassed what Oscar Robertson did when, you know, when he did it in terms of just sheer uh, efficiency and production. Um, but yeah, like, all right. So, yeah, he's they're giving him rebounds on missed free throws right like the the team is actively giving him that yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah. okay okay is this the first time in nba history this has been done right. maybe maybe that's just dumb of everyone not to do that before like lebron probably would have averaged a triple double five times by now if someone had thought in cleveland like oh you are lebron just go get that yeah just, like just go just go get the missed free throw like i don't know it's i don't know that it's innovative but i also don't know that it's something that should completely ruin it because we can't glow about when oscar robertson did it and then be mad at russ for doing it on 20 fewer possessions a game but grabbing missed free throws yeah and and the thing is that the thunder have designed this team to for him to average a triple double because the only way the thunder offense is any good at all is if they're playing fast and they're not going to be fast if Steven Adams is grabbing the rebound or Finnis Cantor is grabbing the rebound. Those guys block out for him to grab the rebound. And it's just like, it's just some interesting circumstances for him to be able to do it. And a part of it's Kevin Durant left, and they have really nobody else that can really facilitate an offense. Um, and it's, it's just all just kind of the perfect storm for this triple-double. Um, and it is amazing. And it is... And and there's ways to break it down to say, like, this is why it's happening and it's still amazing instead of this is why it's happening and it's not that cool. Um, anyways. Yeah. OK. So and, and if he wasn't grabbing these these free throw misses. Right. All right. Then he'd be averaging eight and a half, nine rebounds a game. Like, that's still stupid. Right. That's, <laughs> yes. still, that's still a ridiculous number for a point guard to average. So what are we even doing here? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, let's talk about the supporting cast. So, uh, again, there's like this narrative that like Russ has nobody around him. Uh, and then there's people that are like, wait a minute, like Steven Adams is pretty good. Uh, Victor Oladipo is pretty good. Um, what, what do you think about his supporting his supporting cast and, and maybe what it looks like going forward? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a lot of talent on this team. I just think it's mostly defensive talent, right? And we don't really know how to judge defense. Like you can you can see that like people throwing around defensive RPM, which doesn't actually mean anything. Like I mean, they're, you know, they're, they're like it doesn't like yeah. it's a it's a stat that is 75 percent accurate and 25 percent a guess. Yeah, and so that's good enough for some people that is kind of laughed at by certain analytically inclined uh, executives around the NBA. Like it's just not, it's just a stat. Like it's kind of like PER, like PER, you know, kind of gives us a, uh, a viewpoint of what's happening, but it ultimately doesn't mean anything. Yeah. And that's the, and that's the problem is we don't have a stat. Like we can, we can look at like, Oh, the field goal percentage against this guy. Yeah. But that's not always, you know, measured in a great way. Right. Mm -hmm. We can look at like defensive net rating on and off the court. 
<laughs> yeah, but that's, there's a lot of noise in that too. So we don't really know how to judge defense, and we think we know what defense is. But then you, I don't know. You talk to an NBA scout, and you're like, "Wow, I don't, really don't know what the hell I'm talking about." <laughs> so, so you you go into this like not really knowing how to judge defense. We just think we know it when we see it. Well, there's a ton of like Andre Roberson is a ridiculous defender. Mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo is a very solid defender. Adams is a good defender. Now, Natalie Taj Gibson, who's still a very good defender. Um, you know, they have a lot of defensive talent on this team. It's just it's harder to judge how that fits together offensively Russ uses so much of of their you know their offense and their their usage and their um just opportunities and he he probably averages so many assists because that's the only way for other guys to score right it's like not a lot of guys can create their own shot um and there's just not shooting on this team I, i mean i think that's the toughest part for for looking at how much talent is on the offensive end next to Russ is that um you know, and his camp can obviously score. I think Steven Adams is fantastic in the pick and roll. Oladipo has been much improved this year in my mind. Um, but there's still just not a lot of floor stretching. Alex Abrinas isn't, isn't released, really, you know, out there and effective. Doug McDermott can't do anything but spot up shoot. You know, if a guy doesn't leave him, there's not a lot he can do. So, you know, I think is the moving forward, they need more shooting and I think they can develop more shooting, but you are going to have those instances where it's Russ playing against a very constricted offensive construct. And, and until they kind of figure out how to stretch that out a little bit, uh, there's just going to be flaws there and it's going to look like he has less help. Yeah. And, and Victor Oladipo is really, if this roster stays the same or is close to the same at the start of next season, Victor Oladipo is like the only way kind of out of that. Cause I, I watched him and I'm like, man, like, he can handle the ball, and he could probably run a pick and roll, but he really never does it on the Thunder. Uh, he's basically like a – they've treated him like Kent Bazemore a lot of times where he's a spot-up shooter yeah. defender. And I just don't really – I don't really get that. I don't understand why the Thunder play their the, – they maybe have the two worst backup point guards in the NBA right now, and Samaj Christian and Norris Cole. Uh, like, why do you have to play them? Like, why can't you just play? Why can't you just stagger uh, Russ and Vic and just have Victor Oladipo run pick and rolls? Um, yeah, so and, and Orlando yeah. Orlando played him at the point early on in his career to kind of try to develop those those skills and that understanding of just that playmaking aspect of the position. And he didn't do great there, but I think he's. I mean, he's definitely better than Samaj and, and Norris, right? Like he he can, like I think you can. I think you could almost use him in a Bradley deal way of like, uh, like running side pick and rolls and making the defense collapse on him and then allowing him to make a good decision. Sometimes that's not going to work out, but I think it would work a lot more than they, than they allow it to. Yeah. And I think the, the one other aspect of his game that he needs to develop is getting to the free throw line. Um, yeah. that's, that's kind of like the difference between like he and like a fringe all-star because he's got all the skills that those guys do, but he just doesn't do the things that they do. He doesn't get to the free throw line and he doesn't really run much pick and roll. And I feel like he could do both of those, but I just haven't seen it. Do you, do you think he can develop those? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's, you know what, he's like 23, 24 years old. Like, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think we've seen all we can see out of him because you've just, you going from Orlando to, to playing next to Russ, like you've seen a gigantic leap in his outside shooting ability. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of was more in line with what he did at Indiana. Uh, but yeah, like, I mean, there's no, uh, I'm looking at his, his assist percentage right now is 11.8%, which is not high at all. Like there's no reaction in the twenties yeah. and that happens from giving him more usage and pick and rolls. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just what's his? Do you see his free throw rate right now? Because it's like oh, it's embarrassingly it's low. Yeah, yeah, sixteen is like. I mean, that should be 
I mean, even if it was doubled, you'd be like, eh, he should get to the free throw line more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's embarrassing, and I don't. And he avoids contact when he drives. And I don't. And I I feel like with some guys, that's just who they are, and that's how they play. Um, I don't know. I, I I would like to probably look into some guys that have had that low of free throw rate and see if it does improve because it's. I mean, it's it's concerningly low. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is. And I think you're right. Like some guys just do kind of think I need to get this shot off. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they avoid the contact instead of kind of absorbing it. And I don't know that it's like, oh, this guy's soft or this guy doesn't want to go to the free throw line or whatever, because he's not a great free throw shooter. I mean, especially for a guard position, he's like, what, 75 percent. Um, so I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's that mentality. I think it's more of. I'm trying to get around this defender to get a layup. Yeah. And, and that can, you know, not to compare him to Derrick Rose in any way, but that was Derrick Rose's leap from really good young player to MVP. Uh, well, part of that was the media just didn't want to give it to LeBron. But yeah. the other part of that was, <laughs> was that he, he started, he started taking that contact. He started like, he saw a huge leap in his free throw rate and getting to the line. And, and I think all the depot has that in him, especially with, like, we know he's athletic, right? Yeah. Like he can probably, he's, he seems strong. He seems like, we know he's athletic. He can probably get into those defenders and still absorb the contact and maybe finish for and ones. He just has to, he has to have that click in his head. Yeah. And he's got a really nice model in front of him, Russell Westbrook, who gets to the line all the time, just using his athleticism. So maybe he sees it. Maybe, he, maybe he watches Westbrook. He's like, that's exhausting. Yeah. I'll go somewhere else. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a bad influence by Westbrook because he's just yeah. like, man, he takes a lot of he takes a lot of punishment. I don't want any part of that. <laughs> That's right. Um, what are your th- Andre Robertson has been? He's just a conundrum because he is just a fantastic defender. I mean, he's probably one of the best four or five perimeter defenders in the league right now. Uh, but he's also probably the worst offensive guard forward in the league right now. I mean, he bricks free throws and airballs free throws um, at an embarrassing rate. Um, I don't know what to think about his contract coming up. I don't really know what number to to pin down because I've I've heard maybe like twelve million to fifteen million. I'm like, oh man, like I like him, but I don't know. Um, what are your thoughts on him as a player? And then. Uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on his potential contract. Yeah, I mean, fifteen is that seems excessive, right? Yeah. Like, yes. I kind of, I mean, he, he kind of reminds me a little bit. Uh, not, uh, I mean, I don't know if playing style is the same, but, um, but Jay Crowder before he he resigned with Boston, right? Like a guy who couldn't shoot. Uh, I mean, he could shoot more than than what Andre does right now, but uh, but really couldn't shoot. He was just a defender, a guy who could move out the ball. Like you look at you look at Andre and the way he cuts the basket. He knows when to cut. He's really smart off the ball. He just doesn't have that ability to to go the other way, where you kind of set up a backdoor cut and then you flare out to the corner and and that's a and that's a good spot for him, right? Like it's just that's just not a part of his game. And I don't know. I mean, I just don't know that he's ever going to be a shooter. Like you can, like uh, you know, as someone who has closely followed Ricky Rubio's career, um, you know, everyone always looks at two guys as like, hey, well, these guys learned how to shoot. It's always Jason Kidd learned how to shoot and Kawhi Leonard learned how to shoot, right? So why can't other guys? These guys are a little bit more skilled than any other player in NBA history, right? <laughs> like, like I don't know that these should be the state. Like when looking at Ricky Rubio, you're like, hey, well, Jason Kidd learned how to shoot. It's like, yeah, well, Jason Kidd was an all, like an All NBA hall of fame player 
So like him learning to shoot is a little different than Ricky Rubio, who I think is really good learning how to shoot. And the same with like Roberson to Kawhi. Like, yeah, Kawhi learned how to shoot pretty quickly out of right out of college and, and has become a guy who can shoot in almost any situation. Roberson, Roberson, I never know how to say his name. I'll just say Roberson, 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 you know, kind of fits that profile physically. But that, but doesn't have any of the other skills to really do that. So he, like at this point, he probably is what he is, even though he's only 25, 26 years old. At the same time, it doesn't mean he can't be effective. You just can't have a guy who's 25% from three and less than 50% from the free throw line. One of those has to change. He either has to become Bruce Bowen, who could hit threes and and couldn't hit free throws or he has to become a guy who can hit free throws and and you just say all right well even if he can't hit a three he can get to the free throw line and not be a disaster so in turn you know his offensive game i just don't know how much it can change moving forward and if that's and if it doesn't change all that much you know can you get him in that jay crowder range like jay crowder signed for what seven million a year it was like five years 35 million Mm -hmm. all right add a little bit of inflation in the two years that since he's signed that deal um and you're and you're probably getting into like the nine, ten, eleven range. Um, you know that seems fine to me. Like if that's if that's what it's going to cost to keep him, that seems fine. When you start creeping into that that Evan Turner money or that Chris Middleton money for a guy who just can't shoot and can't make free throws, that's when I think you say like, all right, well we've enjoyed having you here, but yeah. you can't. I mean, you just can't eat up that much of the cap. Uh, especially when you still maybe have to add another impact player either by acquiring them and re-signing or by just straight up having enough cap flexibility to make it happen. Lincoln Lending understands that not all lenders are created equal. With the most competitive interest rates and highly trained professionals available, Lincoln Lending will communicate and accommodate your every need throughout the home buying process. Getting approved has never been easier with Lincoln Lending's new mobile app and website. Download the Lincoln Lending app at the App Store and the Google Play Store. You can also visit the website www.lincolnok.com or call 799-LEND to apply today. Lincoln Lending, not all lenders are created equal. NMLS 398026. Yeah, I think we're on the same page. I just don't think the Thunder can be a tax team and you know have Andre Robertson be the guy that makes you that. I just don't think that makes any sense. Um, for like the right, and maybe, maybe, maybe they have enough depth to, to move Cantor, right? Like Cantor's been a, a pretty valuable guy for them this year, but maybe if you're going to pay, pay Robertson that kind of money, then maybe you you have to offload Cantor, but then at that point you're you're you, know, you still have Sabonis and you still have maybe Taj Gibson, depending on how that re-sign goes. Um, and you, you know you still have guys that you can fit into that four slot, but uh, but man, if if you know if you lose Cantor just to keep Robertson, that that seemed like a net negative to me. Yeah. So we we talked about this on our podcast on Friday. Would you rather keep Cantor and then only be able to keep one of Robertson and Gibson or trade Cantor for like a draft pick or a future draft pick and then keep Taj and Robertson? Um, I mean, I think I would rather have Gibson, Robertson, and a pick just because I trust the Thunder to draft well and develop well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, that is you are you are losing a pretty big part of that second unit and that's in you know this team already struggles enough to score if you're not able to secure some kind of offense immediately in place of of canter you could see a real maybe that just turns into like some kind of 
2012 Memphis Grizzlies grit and grind, you know, bench unit. But that, I mean, that could get ugly real fast with the drop off in, in offensive talent for when, you know, Russ sits or even playing alongside Russ. Yeah. Cantor's another guy. Like, I really like him and I really like his game. And, the, the fact that they have wrapped up all this money and now him and Steven Adams and they can't, they can play together against certain teams, uh, but they can't play together every night. Uh, it just makes it really tough. I think if Kander could maybe shoot threes, then I think that would maybe make it a little bit more doable. Uh, but they're never going to be able to play together more than like 10 minutes a night. Uh, I think at some point you're going to have to move on from him, right? What, I mean, I don't know. I mean, what do, what do you think? Uh, I mean, just because it is, you know, it's, that's going to be what, like, like 18 to 20% of their cap. Yeah. You know, assuming that it gets to like, you know, 102 million as, as it's projected next year and, and doesn't rise all that much more after that, you know, you're looking at, yeah, about 18 to, I mean, maybe on, on the best case scenario, 15% of the cap. That's, that's a lot, you know, that's a lot when you have to pay Oladipo and pay Adams and pay Westbrook and pay, uh, you know, Robertson. And like, there's just, there's, there's only so many guys you can pay those eight figure salaries to, if you're, if you're going to avoid the tax. So, I mean, I think he's worth it now, but in the future to maximize talent around, around Russ, it, it probably doesn't end up working out, but also it might be a very movable contract because another team could use a player like that. Yeah. What? So this has been, another tough thing for like thunder fans when we're like working in the trade machine like Vucevic and Valanciunas and all these centers that don't have like they you can't really finish games with a lot of these guys and they don't fit the quote-unquote modern NBA uh, what are your what are your thoughts on like potential fits for Cantor moving forward like if they were to trade uh, him for a draft pick or trade him for a player and a pick um, are there any landing spots that make sense to you I mean, I don't really know what the Indiana Pacers are doing in terms of roster construction. So, like, it, it makes sense to me that he could fit there as a guy off the bench. Um, also, because I think, you know, I think Miles Turner could could cover for him if you're staggering those minutes, uh, could cover for him defensively. So I I think, like, may, maybe a team like that, like, I, it feels like one of those, those middle teams, um, probably especially in the East, of, like, they don't really know, like, you know, Milwaukee has Greg Monroe, how much better is Greg Monroe than someone like Ennis Cantor? You know, if they want to keep that kind of a role player moving forward, you know, I think, I think teams like that, you know, that, that big man that you don't really know what to do with. I mean, I think you can add Gorgie Jang to that mix in, mm-hmm. in Minnesota. Like it does seem like the, the trend around the NBA is we're just going to resign this guy and then we'll figure it out later. So I think that as long as their team still willing to do that uh, for that, like 15 to $18 million a year range, I think you can find landing spots, you know, probably 10 to 15 teams around the NBA. It just, it makes you wonder like the, the elite teams that, that are truly moving towards a championship. How many of those teams end up with that guy? And, and if it's not, and if the answer is not a lot, how long does it take everyone else to kind of catch on to the, that? Yeah, this guy's talented, but we don't really want him. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's tough because I feel like the thunder have kind of gone all in on that and all in on the offensive rebounding. Uh, but then you watch it against the Rockets and you watch it against the Warriors and you're like, oh, like this doesn't work. <laughs> like it just right, yeah, it's not I mean, working. Like you really have to be committed to we slow the pace, we make it ugly, we have some shooting to to make up for it on the other end of the floor, 
and we will just bully you mm-hmm. inside. And and I don't know I don't know that you can truly adopt that style because of the the defensive questions that Cantor brings um, by having him on the roster. Yeah, and for the Thunder, it, it's tough. This is not the team that they want. This is not the team they designed. Um, but they, yeah, I mean, it's all—it's almost like they lost somebody on the fly, right? <laughs> and yeah. they kind of had to scramble, <laughs> scramble around that. Which I think they've done a pretty good job of yeah, doing. Like, they not a lot of teams could could be this successful um, losing a guy like Kevin Durant. But it, but there is a certain point where the scrambling and the you know the contingency contingency plan has to become something that moving forward makes a ton of sense. Yes, and if their half court offense was like even passable, I think that this style would make a lot more sense. But they just really can't score in the half court. And when they do, it's inefficient shots. And it's a lot of times a luck plays into it. Like they have to play fast, but then they want, I don't know, what they want and what's happening is it's, it's just a big jumbled mess right now. Uh, and, and it's just amplified when you play these like elite teams that shoot a ton of threes. Uh, you can just kind of tell how far behind the Thunder are right now. Um, I want you to rank these players as far as the player they'll be in the future. Uh, okay. Alex Sabrinas, Damana Sabonis, Doug McDermott, and Jeremy Grant. Um, I would go Sabonis, Abrinas, McDermott, Grant. Okay. I'm very high on Sabonis. I mean, I loved him. At, I loved him at Gonzaga. Like I, I think that he can turn into a starting caliber big man in the NBA. Probably takes a couple of years, but I, I really think like he just has a good solid skill set and will and will not try to play outside of his role too much. Um Abrinas, I think you can see him getting more comfortable with the NBA game and and as long as he can, you know, kind of utilize that athleticism and and be a shot maker from outside, I think he'll fit in great. McDermott probably is what he is at this point, which is a fine, you know, player off the bench. Grant, I love I love Jeremy Grant. I mean, he is a guy that you know, this doesn't mean anything, but in, in NBA 2K, I always end up with him on my team, right? Like, cause you just love the idea of Jeremy Grant, like yeah. this crazy athletic long, uh, guy who just makes plays at the rim and, and you, you want guys like that, but there is a certain level of, if he can't be a great defender and he can't be a guy who makes a jumper that, that just lowers the ceiling on him so much. Yeah. And he's like still 22 somehow. It feels like he's been in the league forever, but he's been 22 years old for six years. Yeah, like exactly. this is, I mean, there's no way he's actually 22. <laughs> he's, he's shot the ball well too. Um, but for the thunder, he's really fallen out of the rotation. And I think that's where you have to say, Oh, like they don't, the thunder aren't just like, they don't have a ton of great forwards. Um, and so to look at him and for him to not play like, okay, something, something's going on here that we're not seeing. Cause when he comes in the game, like yesterday, he had that like amazing block at the rim. And I think he was like a plus nine in a game. The thunder just got killed in. Uh, so he has his moments and he has flashes uh, and the thunder can make him a restricted free agent this summer. So I, I'm very interested to watch that and see what happens there to see if they maybe uh, try to get him on a, a lower contract and see if they can develop him. Um, McDermott's interesting too. Like I think, I think that he's a, He's a good offensive player. Uh, yesterday, he was as lost as could be in the four minutes that he played defense. Um, right. And I don't know. Like, I think he's got – we've been talking about this too, like Abrinas versus McDermott. And I think Abrinas is just a, a lot smarter on defense, but he just doesn't have the body. And I'm starting to think that McDermott's like the opposite way, that he has like more of the NBA body but um, is not figuring things out. Um, 
Do, do you think he could ever develop into being a starter? Do you think that he's got like the IQ to, to be that kind of player? I just, I just don't think he brings enough to the table. Like I, I think maybe on a defensive minded team that needs shooting to start up games, then yeah, maybe in those situations he could become a starter, but I think he's best served as you know, a sixth or seventh man off the bench because uh, you know, for the Thunder, it, it probably makes more sense for them to have more of a playmaker at that, you know, that backup three mm-hmm. than than what McDermott's able to do. But they are so starved for shooting that, that he does kind of become a necessity um, for them on a, on a lot of nights. Uh, I kind I look at like him versus Abrinas. I kind of look at Abrinas as like he could be a JJ Redick type of defender mm-hmm. where it's like not a guy you expect to shut anybody down, but just a really solid help defender doesn't get that lost yeah you know and, and if and sometimes just being able to get in the way is enough yes. you don't have to make plays you like you're just in the way and you're in proper position and that's enough i don't know that i ever see mcdermott being a guy who can consistently do that yeah yeah abrinas is, is he's super smart he knows how to play the game and he can really shoot it uh talk about sabonis a little bit because yesterday and really for a while sabonis hasn't played well and i'm still like trying to like back him up like guys like seriously he's got He's got these this skill set. I think he's really good, um, but so, a lot of people are saying, "Well, I don't really even think he's any good at all." I'm like, "He's 20 years old." Um, but tell me, like, what what have you seen from him? What are the skills that you see that make you think that he can be a starter? Uh, I think he's a better passer than he's been allowed to be, um, and maybe that is just his last name clouding my you know my <laughs> expectation of what he's supposed to be. But I do think, like, I think he has that skill. I think he can pass out of the post. I think he can pass out of pick and roll situations. Um, I you know I think a, a big problem for for the Thunder is they have that they have that that pick and roll down in terms of you know the the initiator into the into the right but but having that next like i look at sabonis i look at steven adams i think and part of this is probably just them not having a lot of shooting around them but i think that they can make great decisions as the guy rolling to the basket receiving the ball and and having a decision to make between going into the contact or kicking it out to a corner shooter right like i think they both have that ability i just don't think they're allowed to show it all that much so i think sabonis can can execute that well i think he's going to be a monster on the boards most of his career um i don't think he'll i don't think he'll end up turning the ball over all that much as a player and 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 that's you know that's just huge for a guy trying to trying to create points inside and i think he can shoot like i know he hasn't shot the three well but he's a good mid-range shooter and i think you should be able to i mean maybe it ends up being a donatus moti in a situation where we keep thinking like hey this guy could be a stretch four and then he never shoots well mm-hmm. uh from the outside but i think i think with the bonus he'll at least be a guy who can hit corner threes and he can become a pick and pop threat yeah He's in a, a part of it. Like yesterday, he's playing with Samaj Christian and Andre Robertson at the same time on the offensive end. Yeah, that's that sucks, <laughs> right? Like that, that's just not a lot of offense to play around. Like I just, I just don't get it. And to expect like this big guy who's twenty years old who's still figuring himself out to like basically play like three on one, like it's it's not a great it's not a great situation for him right now. No, it's not. And I, in you know, I mean. He'll be a better rim protector. that will come with more experience. He'll be a better help defender as he gets more experience. Um, I just think he's. I think he's always. I think majority of his career, at worst, he's a solid big man in the rotation. Yeah, uh, the Thunder have a. They'll have in the twenties, like low twenties pick, and the Thunder need a backup point guard so bad. Uh, and I know that there's some backup point guards that they can maybe get via free agency or something like that. But 
there's a few guys that I think could play that spot. Jawan Evans in particular, um, he's he played at OSU. Uh, I think that he's a really smart basketball player. I think he could plug in next year. Uh, what do you think about Jawan Evans and him as an NBA player? I like him. Um, I think that you know, I think I think it kind of depends on like how tall is he actually? You know, is he actually yeah. north of six foot or is he barely six feet? And and if so, like you know, what can he do with his wingspan? His wingspan looks decent, but I don't know. You know, he's not Shane Larkin out there who is T Rex on, but he you know I don't know that he has these incredibly long limbs either. So you know, his measurements will probably determine just how high he goes in the draft. And then, you know, outside of that, like his game, he seems like, like he's a good pick and roll scorer. Um, He's probably a better passer than he's been allowed to be at OSU. Uh, I guess the thing that concerns me is, is can he do anything at the end of a shot clock um, when, you know, a possession kind of breaks down and can he be a guy who just creates a ton of points in transition that's that ends up being the key for a lot of backup point guards it's like can you take advantage of those situations as much as everyone hates jj berea he's he's been great at those kind of situations throughout his career and that can be the difference between you know a bench unit that doesn't really score all that much and a bench unit that that keeps everyone afloat yeah i I think that he can. Uh, I've watched him all season. I graduated from Oklahoma State, so I'm super homer for him. But um, <laughs> I think that I think that he can come in and play. He, I think he's better than Samaj Christian right now, um, at least offensively, which isn't really saying much. Um, right. <laughs> uh, okay, so for the Thunder, would you rather have Donovan Mitchell or Luke Kennard? Oh, um, I want to believe in Luke Kennard. Because I I do like watch. I just wonder how. I mean, how much of his game is because he's going against crappy college players? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, just you know, I'm I'm not trying to be the guy who's like, hey, college basketball sucks, but, but college basketball kind of sucks. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so, like, I just I don't know how much that that really translates to the to the NBA. Whereas with with Mitchell, you know, I'd probably like him better if he was like six five. Yeah. You know, I, it, you know, his height worries me a little bit, but you know, could he be 80% of what Eric Gordon is? I think so. Like, I, I think that's probably a ceiling, but that's a really good role player. Um, he seems like just a dynamite spot up shooter. And that may be, you know, that plus, you know, being a guy who can, who can play within the pick and roll as like a, a side pick and roll guy like that, that just seems like a, a player I want a little bit more than hoping Luke Kennard isn't just a college guy. Yeah. Do, do you think that Mitchell could play backup point guard? Cause he's, I mean, he's the size of like a backup point guard. Yeah. I mean, I think that maybe he's, you know, maybe that combo guard off the bench where he can play net, he can, he can show some spot minutes at point guard, you know, for like four minutes a game, or he can play alongside a point guard. I think he'll have that versatility at the next level. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see, what do you think about Harry Giles? I don't, I don't know that anyone, I've never heard like a great opinion on him. What do you, what do you think about him? The physical aspects are great, right? I mean, aside from injury, you know, injury history, like, He's got like a seven four wingspan. He's he's tall. He he seems to be athletic. Um, I just don't know that he's comfortable around the basket yet, which which kind of makes sense. And maybe he's a guy. I don't know. Like if he ends up being Noah Vonley, but picked in the twenties, is that really that bad? You know, Noah Vonley's kind of a. I don't know, he's been better since he acquired Nurkic, but um, 
Noah Vonley has been a guy who's just kind of disappointing. Like he hasn't been a stretch four like a lot of us thought he would be. He isn't a guy who's all that competent around the rim um, in terms of offensively. But you, you at least see that you know he can have these stretches of of being an effective big man on the boards and protecting the rim. Um, I think Giles can be better than that, and maybe that's a high bar to clear, but. Uh, if you can, if you can see him get that comfort, then I think you see a lot of what everyone loved about him in high school. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if the Thunder would take a risk on a guy like that, um, but if he can be the player that they thought he was in high school, I think that the Thunder would be a great place for him to land. Um, do you think that Tyler Lydon or Lydon? I don't know how to say it. Is he is he a four? Because um, the Thunder need they need more options at the three. But do you think that he's a four in the NBA? Uh, I think he has to be, yeah. you know, he has to be a stretch forward type of guy. And, um, he looks like a shooter to me. Mm-hmm. Like he looks, he looks like he can play, but, uh, you know, I don't trust Syracuse guys <laughs> being ready to play in the NBA. Like I just, I just don't. And there, there's probably a bias in there that I haven't quite, you know, come to terms with, but for whatever reason, like, I just don't, I don't think what they do at Syracuse allows guys to be ready for the NBA. So I think there's a steeper learning curve and it's just harder to overcome. But if he, if he's able to, you know, be a 37 or above three point shooter, then it's probably enough. That's probably good enough as a player off the bench. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the guy that I was really hoping would stay in the twenties and he seems to be rising up draft boards is OG and He just feels like a thunder player to me. And I got that should end up on OKC as just like this raw prospect that can defend and, uh, maybe he could be a, a better Robertson or a more adequate offensive player than Robertson. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's going to be scared by the injury, right? Like I think yeah. everyone, every, like going into this year, everyone thought like this guy can play. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't think, I mean, unless the medical stuff is just a disaster when he gets physicals for pre pre draft stuff. Um, I can't imagine him going in the twenties. Yeah. And like the wings that are after him, you're just like, eh, like I just, yeah, there's just not, risk. there's, yeah, there's not a lot there. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you think Ivan Rob can can play, you know, some small forward and switch between the forward positions at the NBA level. But mm-hmm. after that, like, there's just yeah. I mean, I guess there's there's Tyler Lydon and um, I don't know. Maybe uh, who's the guy from SMU? Uh, Ojale. Yeah, Ojale. Yeah, I mean, he, I he could know. be solid, but yeah. he seems he seems kind of small. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, what do you think about Dwayne Bacon? I, I watched him play. I think that he's okay. I think he could play in the NBA, um, but he's like way down on draft boards. Yeah, I like I like him and I like him as like a guy in transition. But he's another one of those guys where it's just like, man, I wish that guy was a little taller. Yeah, like I wish he like if he was like six seven with that you know with the wingspan proportion and everything, and he could make up for the fact that he doesn't seem like he can shoot. and i just i and that and that ends up being the the difference right it's like it's like can can you just even be a mild threat from the three-point line at the nba level and i don't think he can or i mean not that he not that i don't think he can he's not right now yeah and so that you know you really have to trust your shot development as an organization to get a guy comfortable with the extra difference or the the extra distance in you know college to nba three-point line and not only that but the comfort within once you become that threat, you know, pump faking and attacking that, that hard close out off the dribble, he just seems so shaky in that respect. Mm-hmm. 
I also just really like his name. That's basically why Great I'm asking name. you that. <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic name. <clears throat> I need a Thunder Bacon jersey to wear to games. <laughs> uh, Zach, thanks for coming on the podcast today. We can follow you on Twitter at Talk Hoops. Uh, we can also read your stuff at FanRag. And um, you're on the True Hoop Pod a lot, so listen to the True Hoop Pod. Anything else that we should be looking out for? No, that's it. FanRag Sports uh, at Talk Hoops, and usually Wednesdays and Fridays on uh, the True Hoop TV podcast. Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming on, Zach, and we'll talk to you later. Absolutely. Thank you.